What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Jake, the Mississippi Superman Reeves, along with my co-host, Wes, the Armadillo Wrangler Dunham. Yo. And we are live here on the Man Up podcast for our Wednesday episode. I'm so excited <clears throat> to be here, man. Um, we had Tyler on Saturday and you on today, which is odd. Usually the Saturday and Wednesday episode, the, the, the co-hosts and guests kind of kind of correlate to mm-hmm. the same one, but this one's totally different. Yep. I'm going to tell myself the reason it's different is because um, we recorded Saturday and it sucked. It was not a good episode. So I wanted to uh, – got my beard in my mouth. There we go. I wanted to kind of give it another shot here. So I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, I um I noticed on the, the – I think it was the live one y'all did Saturday. I watched it afterwards, but I, like the first 10 minutes I could tell that the sound was – Yeah, the audio weird, yeah. Is, wasn't good at all. Yeah. Um, I think it's just – you know we're still learning. Yeah. It's still a this is still a process for us. We're still, believe it or not, even though we're over a hundred episodes, we've changed so quickly and brought on new equipment. And you know the first fifty episodes I did I did the audio were probably the first, uh, yeah, probably around fifty episodes. I, I did all the audio and mm-hmm. didn't know what I was doing. And then we turned it over to Mo, and then Mo had to fill that role and learn what he was doing. And so what really sucked was the video issue when we had a little white on. Because we put all this money into this episode, and the first like thirty minutes of it, the video is just trash. It's just not usable. Mm. So that was that was rough. That was a tough one. Um, yeah, we still because at first we started with a, it was just GarageBand, wasn't it? When yeah, I used GarageBand on my on my uh, on my Mac, and I would record it. And man, the sound quality back then was so bad. I was having to. <laughs> I was having to go in, and I mean, every little peak was a crack and a pop, yep. and I was having to go in and spend. In the very beginning, I was spending a couple of hours after the podcast was over just editing the cracks and the pops out, and it was it was terrible. It was rough. It was it did not sound good. You can go back and listen to them now. They're still up on our Spotify and our Apple uh, podcasts and stuff. If you go back and listen to the before, it was. Uh, video recorded or video uh, shot live and mm-hmm. and videoed before that it, the audio just it, it got better but it was always really rough and it wasn't until we upgraded equipment is really kind of what what helped mm-hmm. us kind of hit that next stride a couple things I want to talk about today first off is the passing of one of my favorite fighters to watch Anthony Rumble Johnson very sad mm-hmm. sad news to hear about that man he wasn't even 40 years old Mm-mm. And to, to come down with health problems like that, which he his manager had reported that he was having some issues. He had health problems back in October that he wasn't doing well. He had a brief, you know, after you know after he lost to Cormier, he retired from the UFC. Mm-hmm. Had a brief comeback in Bellator, but I mean, probably one of the most gifted punchers yeah. oh, in the UFC. Massive knockout. Probably. I mean, just you can't. I always enjoyed watching my brother and I. We always he was one of our favorite fighters. We liked to watch together when we'd watch UFCs and whatnot. We always, when he was on the car, we were like, bad. Really wanted to watch. You know, and for me right now, the UFC is lacking a lot of, and to me, and I know this is a personal, because you got Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler who just fought, 
Both mm-hmm. of those have a lot of star power. I love watching Poirier fight. Me and him have some connections in the MMA community um, through, you know, like I know the coach he started with, Tim Crater, who is somebody that I look up to and 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 is a very likable guy, very, very, just a great dude. Um, even though he's with American Top Team now, mm-hmm. you know, he originally was with, with Gladiator mm-hmm. Academy. His black belt in jiu-jitsu is under Tim. Um and he's got that he's got a star quality for me. Conor McGregor, obviously, he's sort of the pinnacle of the star power. But his his mixed results recently has sort of, for me, reduced how badly I want to watch him fight. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of fighters right now that are competing in the UFC that I personally am excited to watch. Yeah. Anthony Rumble Johnson was one of the last few. Yeah. And it just him him passing so soon like this. Uh, I'll tell you something about him that was interesting was to watch him go from 170 pounds. Uh, what's the lowest he fought at? I think the lowest he fought at was 170. It might have been 155. I know he fought Rich Clemente who fought at 155, but I think they fought at 170. I don't, I but he don't fought know. at welterweight. And but he was a massive dude, though. He <laughs> didn't do well at welterweight, though. Yeah, He didn't have that knockout <clears throat> power at welterweight. That weight cut took took so much out of him. Yeah, he was cutting a lot. And it uh, cutting more weight is not the answer for a lot of fighters. Yeah. And I, back in the day when I was fighting, you know, I used to cut to 170. Mm-hmm. I was cutting a lot. Yep. I didn't have the power that Anthony Johnson had by any stretch of the imagination. But I was cutting a lot, and, I, and that was the case for me too, was I was cutting a lot of weight. But I wasn't doing it right, and – I think I was just cutting too low. I think for me, 170 pounds was just too small. I think that there is a point where not only do you have dimin- – I think there's a point of diminished returns for fighters cutting weight, but I think on top of the point of diminished returns, there's a point of, like, you would be better off not cutting weight at all and mm-hmm. not, like, not even – like, you almost not even training. Like, yeah. you're cutting so much weight that you're hurting yourself. <laughs> you're hurting your performance. It's not just a oh, diminished yeah. return because the point of weight cutting is to get you as a bigger frame in a smaller weight class, to give you a power advantage in that weight class. But as you cut a certain amount of weight, you're so depleted, you're so dehydrated, you're so short of, like, cerebral – I mean, it can get to the point where spinal and cerebral fluid are diminished, your ta- reaction time can be diminished, and from everything I've heard, that can take three or four days before yeah. your body can rehydrate those things. That's what I was going to say. It's such a short time frame because, I mean, you can – some guys will uh, start cutting a week out, some a, a few days out, and then some the day of, but to put that back in in that 24-hour – It's just yeah, – it's so tough. You have yeah. to be cutting an amount of weight that – it, you can do that with. And I'm going to be honest with you, for amateurs, to me, that amount of weight is no more than 10 pounds if you're an amateur. Yeah. Oh, yeah, if amateur, you yeah. don't have a – if you and if you don't have, like, a dietitian and – like, I've worked with fighters, and, you know, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a weight cut specialist. I'm not an expert at cutting weight. I just know the old school way of cutting weight. So what I used to do for my weight cut was I had a very particular diet plan that I followed that was too low calorie, first off, and it was too low carb, second off. Uh, if I were to create a, a similar plan for someone cutting weight now, I would not use this plan. But the thing about it is, is I've never used the plans that I would probably give someone else. So I don't have the confidence in it that uh, yeah. i got somebody pulling up out there. Mo. Um, I don't have the confidence in it that I would have in like with something else, like with the, with the comp, with the weight cut that I used. So 
especially as an amateur too, you're you're trying to find the one that actually works best for you. So you may tap into several right. different styles of weight cutting. Yeah. So what I did was I would do like zero carb <laughs> weight cutting, and I would not I would not take any carbs for like several weeks before the fight, like mm. no carbs at all, other than really low glycemic like berries mm-hmm. and vegetables. It's the only carbs that I was taking. I wasn't taking in any breads, any starches, no potatoes, um, anything like that. So what I ended up doing was I would get up in the morning and I would eat a cup of blueberries. I would eat three egg whites with one full egg would be my breakfast. I would eat again at about a 10. And, but the issue with me was that I didn't have the discipline to make myself eat the food that I needed to be eating. So I wasn't actually eating more than like five, 600 calories a day a lot of time. And mm. so I couldn't train. I couldn't put the, the effort into training that I needed to, mm-hmm. to get in the shape that I needed to. I couldn't, I couldn't go hard enough. Yeah. I did just didn't have the, the calories in reserve. Energy, yeah. And a lot of time I didn't have the fat in reserve either at that point. Cause I was, you know, shredded. I was really lean. I remember finding it at 170. I would look, I looked like a Holocaust victim at weigh-ins. I looked like, a non, like I, I wasn't as ripped as I should have been. I wasn't as lean looking as I should have been because I was like, I was dealing with muscle atrophy and I was dealing with just being so diminished that my, I just, I looked pitiful. I didn't look like a lot of fighters when they get on the stage, they look shredded. Yeah. And yeah, they look a little pitiful too. Like Conor McGregor He's, being probably one of the most like pitiful looking fighters when he was at 145. You see it a lot with a lot of these females now that are cutting weight, like, they get to the scale and they're just, like, they look rough. Well, it's harder for girls. Yeah. It's harder for women to cut weight than it is men. It's a, it's a harder process. And the other thing about training women that I've learned as a coach is when you're training a woman, more things come into play. Things like um, their cycle mm-hmm. can come into play with, with the weight cut. If you're cutting water and they mm-hmm. start their period at the wrong time or whatever, that can really make a big impact on water retention. Yeah. And – so when you're when I was coaching when I've coached you know girls for fighting or women excuse me for fighting, um, the weight cuts are a little bit more intense it's, or not more intense because I've had some really intense ones for for men but I don't encourage cutting as much like I don't encourage you you really need to have it down to a science yeah so another thing I wanted to talk about today and I know this is sort of a forced transition I wanted to talk about the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight. Did you happen to watch any of it? I haven't. No, I just watched the, the highlights. Me um, too. I've, I, I think I was working that night, actually, so yeah, I, I couldn't. I haven't watch. watched the fights in quite some time. I don't watch, like, the the MMA like mm-hmm. MMA fights either, but especially boxing. I'm just not that interested in. I hadn't seen any in a while, neither. It's kind of like you were talking about just a second ago. There's, there's not not many fighters in the UFC or boxing that just really pull them up. Anderson Silva was one for me, though. He was, yeah, back when he was doing MMA, of course, yeah. But here's the thing, man. I I know a lot of people don't like Jake Paul, but he's kind of answered the question. Yeah. Because everybody wants to, like, hate on this kid because he's not a real fighter. First thing you got to remember, homie's been training three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Three and a half years. He's boxing at a professional level with arguably one of the greatest strikers mm-hmm. in UFC history. 
And went the entire not well, entire no, 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 not arguably one of the greatest, inarguably one of the greatest, yeah. arguably the greatest. And they were and lasted the entire fight. And yeah, went eight yeah. rounds with him. Now and won. Went eight rounds I mean, and won. Look and at him, dropped him in, in phenomenal eight. shape anyway. Yeah, he, yeah, but I mean, being in great shape isn't enough, bro. I mean, I understand that, but yeah, being in great but shape isn't on enough. on top of being in great shape. And like you say, he's been training for. He didn't just start the other day. I mean, it's been going on for several years now. The I mean, his training. Who's Jay Paul? Three and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, but that's not that long. Like three and yeah. a half years to compete at a professional level is not a long time to be right. Training. Yeah, I see. Especially it. without the wealth of amateur experience that most boxers bring. There's a lot mm. of amateur boxers who are coming in as professionals with a hundred amateur fights. A hundred amateur fights. He didn't know amateur boxing. I, not that I'm aware of. If it, if he did, it was well, limited. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what the. I don't know what the the wealth of his amateur experience was, but I know that compared to a lot, of, I mean, he's only three and a half years. How many amateur fights could he've got in? Yeah. How many a- a- amateur boxing matches? Now, do I think he's going to be able to compete at the highest level of boxing? Not really. No, so it no, remains to be seen because you're still talking about Anderson Silva, who's 45. You're still you're talking, talking about, about like a way over the hill Silva, who depended a lot on his speed and movement which has diminished in his age. We saw it in his fight with Chris Weidman. We saw it in several fights um, before he left. In my opinion, we saw it in the Adesanya fight. But, I mean, he was still good enough to go to a decision. I mean, him and Adesanya went to a decision. Mm -hmm. Another crazy knockout was the Adesanya knockout. But I think Jake Paul gets a lot of hate from people, but you can't really argue it anymore. Like, like there's something special about this kid. There's something special about these two guys that are YouTubers who have put themselves up into a position of being able to devote the time necessary Mm -hmm. to train, but there's just something about their mindset. When you get in that ring, it's like 90% mindset. It's 90% mentality and mindset. And there's something about the success that they've been able to, to generate outside of boxing before they got into boxing with YouTube and with their online presence and with their sponsorships and the, the, that same tenacity that I feel like got them like he's 25 years old and the kid's been shooting nothing but, but net since he was a kid. There's something about the way he thinks. There's something about his just innate belief in himself. Mm-hmm. He truly thinks he is the best or is going to be the best in the world. He truly thinks he is, like, touched by God or something. Yeah. Like, he, well, the he fight has with, to. Well, the fight with Anderson Silva only strengthened that. I mean, he he, he went the entire route the fight with him. Yeah, and with, like dropped said, him in the eighth. Yeah, so now he's he's come out of this fight. You know, so, I mean, I, I feel like that's only the greatest mindset. striker in UFC history who – Recently beat Julio Chavez Jr. in a boxing match, who has been boxing, who has more boxing experience than him. Yeah. It's it's just, it's kind of crazy to even wrap your head around that this kid is, is doing this. And I, I'm sorry, but if you're a fighter and you don't like Jake Paul, that's fine. But to call him, I know I have a lot of MMA f- fighter friends who don't like Logan or Jake Paul who who think they're overrated. And it's like, okay, you can say that they're overrated in terms of the amount of buys that they're getting on pay-per-view and the amount of pull that they're getting for the, for the lack of experience. But the thing you have to remember is honestly, what it, what I see, what I see is fighters who crack the code because for most fighters, this is the way your life is going to pan out. 
you don't build your audience. You build your audience through fighting. Mm -hmm. And then the level of audience that you bring to the table becomes your, your buying power your, or your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your uh, negotiating power. Yeah. What you can bring to the table. And most fighters never build an audience. Mm -hmm. Most fighters never build a group of people who are really there to watch them or, or, or care about what they're doing. I mean, Conor McGregor being one of the few in MMA, Ronda Rousey being another one. Um, you know, John Jones, the thing about like, and I don't count John Jones, GSP, and Anderson Silva in that category. And the reason is, is because it was literally just their ability their to fight, set, yeah. their skill set that got it wasn't them. outside the ring. Like, you know, like, right. Yeah. It was some, but I mean, the John Jones, Daniel Cormier, you know, with John Jones, the, but GSP, like, Chill no. Sonnen, on the other hand, like he, oh yeah, he kind of understood how to like put himself into positions through, through getting an audience. But the Paul brothers did it on another level. Mm -hmm. They did it in a way that they're bringing millions to the table, yep. people that aren't even fight fans, and you can say you don't like that, and I and I get it because as fighters, I think that, and as as coach as a coach too. We want people to take their lumps. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You see it with gyms. You'll see guys, you see this with black belts a lot. Guys who do jujitsu, who are black belts in jujitsu, and they're kind of dicks to white and blue belts. They're kind of mean <laughs> to them. And the reason that they're mean to them is because black belts were mean to them mm -hmm. when they were a white and blue belt. And they rolled hard with them and, and were kind of a dickhead to them. And while I don't think it's good to do that, and I try to avoid that happening here, we have this mentality of I took my lumps, now you have to take yours. Mm -hmm. And being a fighter is typically no money. I mean, most of these fighters in boxing, they're making 100 bucks a round around here. I mean, for oh, yeah, a four-round yeah. fight, you're getting 400 bucks, win or lose, most of the time. You're not making any money. You're struggling. You're typically having to work a job. And very few of them are building the online presence that is going to lead to them having a, a, a audience when they fight yeah. that's going to be impactful. Let me tell you guys something. If you're a fighter and you are bringing $20,000, $30,000 in ticket sales to the table to a promoter on a local, on a local level, that changes the game. That changes, the, that gives you negotiating power. Mm -hmm. If you're a guy and you're going pro, and I deal with these guys all the time. They come in here and they're pro before they come to me. Or I had one just the other day that I actually, I, I didn't feel that I was going to help because he was a boxer and I didn't feel that like I was the best coach for him. I felt like he needed to go find work with someone else. But um, these guys, they turn pro with no audience. They turn pro with no nobody who cares about watching them fight. And literally your only marketing um, attribute is your skill set in fighting. Mm -hmm. The chance of you going undefeated is not real good a lot of the time, especially in MMA, because you're oh, yeah. fighting killers a lot of the time. You're fighting guys who are really good. And if you fight... And the sport's only advancing, even, yeah. Even if you win nine out of ten times, <clears throat> out of ten fights, if you win nine out of ten times... You would have won all of them nine out of ten times. There's still a really good chance you're going to lose one of those fights. Yeah, you're going to end up with a loss. And so, you know, like it just—you look at what 
Jake Paul's doing. And if you if you hate the kid because of his personality, that's one thing. But if you say the kid's not a fighter, you're just a hater at this point. Yeah. How I old mean, you say he was? Twenty five. He's twenty five. Yeah. He's got a lot left in him too. Yeah. He's got a lot left in him. I mean, he for him to be this good in just three and a half years, but he's he set his life up in us with a strategy that's going to lead him to be able to get better Mm -hmm. because most 25 year old fighters are just now going pro or maybe they've been pro since 18 19 but they're still building the record they're fighting usually cans in boxing in boxing they're fighting cans um and they are not making any money so therefore Mm -hmm. they don't have any money to put toward training they don't have any money to put toward working with the best people training with the best people they don't have the resources to really accomplish what they want to accomplish. And so, and you know, that was part of the, I think that was part of what I was trying to do here mm-hmm. with the gym and with the podcast and everything was I wanted to create an environment. I wanted to create an environment and acquire enough resources so that down the line, when I had fighters that were ready to go, we they didn't have to leave. They didn't have to acquire resources and relocate. Like mm-hmm. I could amass the resources for them to be successful here. And we're not there yet. Not, right. not at the top, not at the UFC level, not right. at the, you know, I mean, we, we've turned people pro and they've done well, mm-hmm. but, um, and we've had mixed results as well with, yeah. I mean, like anybody else has, but I mean, for the most part, they've done well, but you just, there's a, there's a level to that. There's a level mm-hmm. that it takes to compete at the top level. There's a level of coaching. There's a level of training partner. There's just, there's levels to it. And he has the, he has the, the resources to have a chef and a dietitian on staff. Mm -hmm. Probably he has the resources to have the world's best boxing coach with him 24 seven. He has the resources to, to, to get rid of any, um, distractions. Mm -hmm. He has the resources to do that. And I mean, my hat's off to the kid, honestly. I mean, you think he's going to get to to where he'll start fighting like um well, you know who's like, fighting uh, next, right? Who's that? You haven't heard? Uh-uh. I mean Andrew Tater's supposed to fight. Mm. I was thinking like like you think he'll get up to like the Triple G's and the Canelo's level and stuff like that. If he keeps going, what weight class is, is Triple G? Not necessarily saying them, Just but that like level that of that fighting. yeah. That's what he he's I he's, think Triple G and them guys are smaller. I believe he believes he's going to be that good. I I it's hard to say. I'm getting started that late, compete at the high, highest level. Here's the thing, though. Everything that I know about fighting says he shouldn't have beat Anderson Silva. Yeah. You know, but he's a really great athlete. He's clearly a really great, great athlete. I've watched his training videos. And to be honest with you, I like the Andrew Tate fight. That's a smart fight. When's that Andrew supposed to Tate, take place? I don't know. I don't know. Can we look that up? Can we find out when the when the Andrew Tate fight is supposed to happen? Um I don't think they've set a date yet. Actually, I just know they've done a little face off. Now that you say that, I did see the I did see the face off. I think picture. that that's a really interesting fight in terms of money. Yeah, I think they're just still in negotiations. I don't think that they are. Um, I don't think they've set a date. Um, but that's a really interesting fight in terms of money because right now Andrew Tate is arguably one of the most famous people on the planet, or at least in America online. Jake Paul being arguably the other most famous person, non-fighting person right now. Yeah. I mean, in terms of who people are talking about, if you get on TikTok, you get on Instagram, you get on uh, YouTube, whose videos are you seeing? Personally, mm-hmm. now this might be because of my connection to the fight game and also my connection to the manosphere that Andrew Tate is part of, that that, menta- that masculine mentality. 
But those two people dominate mm-hmm. shorts. They dominate podcasts. They dominate content. That's who's in front of us. And that's really the, the deciding factor of who's the most famous. Who's in front of you all the time? Who are you talking about who's in front of you? Andrew Tate and Jake Paul are about as big as it gets right now. Yeah, they both got a big audience. That should that should tote a lot of uh, a lot of money, a lot, a lot of pay per view, yeah, a lot of pay per view. Who of, you got? <clears throat> I don't know because like we was talking about. Just Have you ever ago, seen Andrew Tate fighter? I haven't. Or, I, I was unaware that he was a, a kickboxer like that. I, yeah, full I, contact I, kickboxer. Yeah, I've only recently started you know, figuring out who he was. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. I think Jake Paul's a better boxer. You think? How old is Andrew Tate? He's 35. Okay. So he's not – he's kind of in those prime years. But he still looks to be in great shape, though. Uh, well, I mean, he's only 35. Yeah. If you here's – the, here's, here's the thing about being 35. I'm in the best shape of my life walking around right now at 32, mm-hmm. and I'm getting in better shape every day. Okay. Your body is going to give you what you ask of it mm-hmm. most of the time. Now, that doesn't mean my body doesn't hurt. But I'm not really hurting worse than I was at 25. Right. Honestly, I'm hurting less because I know how to take care of myself better. I feel faster. I'm definitely stronger. Uh, I have a my my mindset is different too. Like I'm a better mentally. I'm not on the Jake Paul level because the thing about Jake Paul and Andrew Tate both both of these guys to be a fighter, you need a level of lack of self awareness to be great. You don't, you don't need self-awareness. I think self-awareness works contrary, really understanding. You need to believe that you are the best despite evidence that you're not. Mm-hmm. That needs to be your belief. You need to be able to have evidence pointing to the fact that you're not the best in the world and still truly believe in your soul that you are the best in the world to be great. That, that, that's really what it takes. It, if you're s- extremely self-aware to the fact that you're not great, it's always going to be in the back of your head. You're always going to doubt yourself. You're mm-hmm. always going to have those questions. And that was my main problem when I fought was I never really believed I was the best. Not really. Yeah. Not really. I said it. And, like, I thought that I might get there. Partly was, you know, my training was not on par with competing at a really, really high level, especially as a professional or even at a professional level at all. I was – a lot of my training was self-trained. Mm-hmm. But these guys like Jake Paul, Jake Paul truly believes that he is gifted, mm-hmm. that he's different than us. And I, I really think that. I think Andrew Tate does too. I think that they both really believe in themselves. And that's what gave Andrew Tate the ability to compete at a high level in kickboxing and win a world title. That's what gives Jake Paul the ability to do what he does. They don't, he, they're not questioning themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not sitting around like with their thumb up their butt, like, oh man, and I'm guilty of this sitting around my, with a thumb up my butt, like, oh, should I should I pull the trigger on this? Should mm-hmm. I try it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Am I going to fail? I don't want to fail. Bro, they're not yeah. even thinking that, I don't think. Yeah. You know, they're like, you know, forget that. We're, we're going all in. And so, I don't know, man. I, I envy that. I envy yeah, that. Yeah, I like that mentality. Cause, and you uh, got to. Because I've been guilty of it, too. Like, we were talking about a while back. Like, until recently, I've been that a bunch. Just sit there and be like, Ugh, should I go for this? Should I not? Yeah. The next thing you know, that ship sailed. It's passed by right, already. You lost, you lost yeah. the opportunity. And then again, right around the corner, you do the same thing. Damn, do I need to attack this? Do I want to do that? Yeah. And you sit there thinking about it too long, and all of a sudden, it's gone. that ship's gone. You missed it. You got to pull the trigger. Yeah. You got to be. I hate that it's a only decision maker. That I've been this late in life to get to that point, but. But you, we, we're all on a different path. Yeah. You know? right. 
and and Jake Paul, and this is I, a lot of people hate on him because of how he got his money. A lot of people hate on him because they think that he got his money too easily. I don't know what kind of grind he put in, mm-hmm. but I know his brother had a grind. I know his brother helped launch him. You know, without his brother, would he became famous? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. But as someone who puts out content on YouTube, it's not easy. Right. It's a grind. It's just like starting a business. It's just like starting a new thing. Mm-hmm. It's you do it for a long time with little to no pay. Or I did. I am. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. You you grind it out. You pour money into it. You pour time into it. I'm pouring more money than time personally. Mm-hmm. You pour time and money into it. You invest, invest, invest with a hope of a return and you grind it out and you just keep believing that you're making the right move. Because like me right now with the YouTube that we're doing with this, with this stuff, it's hard for me. I have questions and doubts. Like, man, am I making the right move? Mm-hmm. Am I doing the right thing? Is this where I need to be putting my energy? Is this where I need to put my, be putting my money and my resources? I could go invest in something else. I could, my lot, me and my family could live a lot more comfortably. Um, if I didn't, if I wasn't focused on this, I mean, even just focusing just solely on the gym, but I feel like this is where I need to be. I feel like this is the direction I need to go in. And and I've just had to tell myself that like, Hey, look, if this doesn't pan out, if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. Hey man, I just failed. It is what it is. And if it does work awesome, but it's going to take, I think it's, it's already shown you that, it, that there's, being persistent and consistent with it has, has been paying off because we're not, or else we would have stayed stagnant and we'd still be in the office back there using the same switchboard. And yeah, that. but that's so. So, I mean, it is, it's, 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 it's advancing. One thing you got to remember, okay, we did not get from the office with the, just the audio equipment to where we are now because our audience picked up. Right, right. No, we I did it because yeah. I poured money into it. Exactly, yeah. I took my money that I had saved or the money that I had set back mm-hmm. and I dumped it in and I just bought the cameras bought the desk, bought the mics, bought the mixing board, bought everything, mm-hmm. and I got us there with just financial investment. Right. And then now the 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 audio, the audience and the viewership and the the listeners have have went way up, mm-hmm. but that was a result of putting the money in, not the viewership is what resulted in us being where we are in terms of the equipment we have. Right, yeah. So Yeah, I get it. Like I'll be honest, man, right before we did have that blow up, I was kind of, man, it's just, Second guess man, it. I'm really, I was started. And that's what I mean. Like, I don't, I think that people that don't do that are more successful. I think, mm-hmm. I think, and I, that's why I'm trying to train myself out of that doubt, that questioning myself or questioning what I'm doing. Because I think that the people who really do well, especially in things like fighting, are the people who just wholeheartedly believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that being super confident, I think it can be a bad thing if you use it as an excuse to be lazy. But being super confident can also be an excuse for you to work harder because you know what you're capable of. So I've got to live up to my mm-hmm. I've got to live up to my talent. I've got to live up to what I'm capable of doing. Because for me when when I realized when I come to the thought that I wasn't going to the UFC, because that's where it really changes my mentality now versus a few years ago. Because a few years ago, I would have said when I realized I didn't have what it took to go to the UFC, and I look back now and I say, okay, more like 
I didn't think I had what it took to go to the UFC. I had mm-hmm. enough evidence to disprove because I see people all the time that have just as much evidence as I did and mm-hmm. still make it. Still go to the UFC. Had am- had losses as amateurs, you know, and still maybe not make it, but go to get to the UFC. Maybe not become yeah. world champions or anything. But um, the biggest thing for me was realizing that I didn't want to do that. That was a big. That was a big. Um, like trigger for me, flag for me, mm-hmm. was the day that I realized that making a living from fighting wasn't how I wanted to live my life. I didn't want to be a slave to it. Yeah, and and I didn't love it enough to like make this. Like I love fighting and competing and training. I love it, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I knew that if I put myself in a position that I have to fight to feed my family, and it's not like people in the UFC back then or now are making that good of money. Yeah. Where oh, yeah, no, no. you can fight a few times and retire or not whatever. Like, not like the boxers are. Yeah, well, not like the top of boxing. Right. Yeah. You got to remember about boxing is boxing is really top heavy. It's yeah, the but guys at the very top make a whole bunch of money, and the guys at the bottom don't make anything. Yeah. But so, you, guys fighting for world titles in boxing are raking yeah, in millions, and guys fighting for world titles in UFC and Bellator yeah. are making good money, but it's right. not millions. Floyd Mayweather has a – his – Dude's got so much money. <laughs> But how he got it is you have to understand the process of how that happened. The UFC is an organization. It's a single organization with a structure. It has a president. It has matchmakers. It has employees that, you know, help the fighters get to their room. It has employees. It has a, it has a, 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 it's a large organization that is scaled across m- way more events than boxing. Boxing is a lot of different organizations, and none of them are as big as the UFC. Mm-hmm. No, no, organ- in my opinion, I mean, from what I know, in terms of as far as roster size and well, no, in terms of the size of the organization, in terms of the yeah. amount of money moved by the organization, okay. and in terms of the size of the organization, number of employees, like so, how Floyd Mayweather made his money was he realized that Don King was making all the money. And he realized that, hey, if I step out of the role of being a fighter, and this goes back to the Jake and Logan Paul thing, mm-hmm. if I can step back from the role of being a fighter and become a, now that I have this huge audience and become a fighter and promoter, when I get paid, I'll get the fun money that the fighter gets and I'll get the money that the promoter gets. So instead of making $20 million, I'll make $100 million because mm-hmm. you know, Don King was making all the money. Mm-hmm. Is that what Oscar De La Hoya did too with Golden yeah, Boy? Real similar. Yeah. He just went and started his own promotion. Okay. He realized that the money was in promoting. And so he started his own promotion. And and I think in boxing back in the day, that was the case. I don't know if it's as much the case now mm-hmm. because now fighters are paid more. And Floyd Mayweather sort of changed the game up a little bit because now you don't have one promoter who's kind of like monopolizing the sport and making all the money. Yeah. And now I think a lot of people are viewing Dana White as the new Don King. I don't know that that's true, but I will say, I mean, maybe. He's definitely probably making more money than any single fighter is. I will say, though, he built a brand. The UFC is a brand. He built an organization and a brand, and that takes time. Mm -hmm. That takes takes fighters probably not making as much money for a while. But I do think fighters, by and large, I I don't know that you can blame the UFC for the fact that fighters are underpaid. But fighters are underpaid. 
for of sure. Of course, 100%. Fighters yeah. are underpaid. But I don't know that if that's because the sport's still so young and it doesn't have the international traction that boxing does. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we do really well domestically, but boxing still does better internationally than MMA does in terms of pay-per-view buys. I think yeah. that could not be true. So don't quote me on that. But, um, you know, boxing to MMA, it's a, it's a – they're similar sports – but it's not the same thing when you look at, like, the fact that Dana White's building a brand or that Dana White is building a company and boxing is just, like, individual events a lot of the time. Right. And so that, you know, and that's that makes boxing more top-heavy. So the guys at the top make more and the guys in the middle make less. Yeah. And that I think that's the case. Which, I say that, boxing, you can make good money in boxing as a journeyman. But if you're too good to be a journeyman but not good enough to be a champion that's where you are not good enough to make it to the big show and like fight the big names that's where but you're fighting a lot more yeah but are you not i mean are you still doing it if you're doing that just to solely fight and get money you're not putting more in boxing you can fight more often yeah yeah in boxing you can fight more often but you gotta you gotta be real about your about what you're doing Mm -hmm. a lot of fighters that probably don't have what it takes to be a world champion are coming in to, and they're trying to be world champions and you've got to be honest. Like I've had to have some unconversation, uncomfortable conversations with fighters before and be like, okay, what do you want to get out of this? Yeah. Like, what's the goal? And if the goal is to be world champion, all right, well, you're 32 and you haven't <laughs> fought a big name yet. Or if you're just starting out at 32. Or you're, yeah. Then that, <laughs> You know, and I, I have I've had guys where you know, or or you're you're saying you want to be world champion, but you're two and seven. Yeah, it's not probably not going to happen. Mm-mm. It's probably not in the cards for you, man. So now let's now let's reevaluate. Let's evaluate what you want out of this because you can make good money fighting world beaters and losing, and that's what a lot of them do. A lot of them they turn pro and they're just like, I just want money. Yeah. I want a quick paycheck. Oh well, if you'll be you can be in St. Louis tonight, we'll give you thirty five hundred dollars. You can be in St. Louis by Saturday or by Friday for weigh-ins. And you're good enough that it, you look like a fighter in there. Mm-hmm. You're good enough that you can move and, and, you know, you can punch and you know how to like. But you're not as good as the guy you're fighting. Mm-hmm. He's beating you up. You're losing the fight. But you can make it like a fight. You can make good money doing that. You're just going to end up with a record of like shaving, 14. Shaving them years off 40, your life. 40, to, yeah. Well, I mean, are you? Because a lot of those guys don't train very hard. The they're not sparring hard. Yeah, they're they're not sparring hard a lot. Yeah. Why would you? You know? Yeah. Like they're not sparring as hard as and as often as the guys who are trying to make it. They're which uh, that's really where you take a lot of the damage. A lot of the damage is not taken in the fight. Mm-hmm. A lot of the damage is taken in training. Oh yeah. That's where people get messed up. Where you because you, I mean, you got to think a lot I've of boxers. Some fighters that are trying to get away from that, ain't they? To where they don't more even spar in anymore. MMA and well, yeah, I don't know that I, I don't know that I agree. You cannot spar. I don't. Yeah, I don't agree with that neither. I don't um, know. It's it's tough to say. I mean, if you've got fifty professional fights, maybe you know Donald Cerrone did very little sparring for his last several fights. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember who it was. Maybe Max Holloway. Maybe I think or or I think it was him. So where he doesn't spar during his training camps I, I get it though yeah i get it because it's really hard I mean, on your that body. may not be him i, I, I think that was who it was it's I can't real remember. hard on your body i just man i couldn't even imagine getting ready for a fight and not sparring 
Yeah, but I feel one like thing, it's the only thing about fighting. I really training for fights that I really like mm-hmm. doing. I don't like running. Yeah, mitt work's not bad, but I don't like hitting the bag. I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how to get a fighter ready without sparring. I'm not yeah, good. I feel at, like I'm it's not part of that body of, like, But I think you have to have enough fights under your belt. Yeah. That, and I've had fighters that I have cut back on their sparring, whereas like they were getting hurt a lot mm-hmm. and they had a lot of damage and you know maybe they didn't have a lot of good training partners anyway. So we went to more mitt session. Um, if I were to talk to fighters now, what I would tell them, I actually had this conversation with a guy who signed up who wants to be a fighter just the other night, he was asking, like, what should I be doing in the mornings in my, like, what, with my weightlifting routine? And there was a time I would have been, like, all kind of do all this cardio, do all the, this, like, CrossFit type stuff, and that's not what I told him. What I told him was, you need to be doing PT. Mm-hmm. You need to be doing, like, physical therapy. You need to be doing things that's going to get more out of you for longer. You need to be doing things that's going to help build your shoulders, build your knees, build your joints, things that are going to help you fight longer in your career because mm-hmm. fighting is not easy on you. This is, this is what I told the guy. We were sitting around and I said, I can tell people that come in here and sign up to do jujitsu that your body, I'm not going to say you won't have aches and pains from doing jujitsu, but you can be better and you can feel better than you do right now in five, ten years. Mm-hmm. There's a you can learn to train and learn to roll and you can be you can do jujitsu and at the end of ten years of jujitsu, every aspect of your life I think will have improved. I'm not saying you won't have injuries, but they're pretty rare. I do not think after ten years of being a fighter that your body is going to feel better. You're just I don't think so. I've just never seen that happen. I've never seen somebody who became a professional fighter, did it for ten years, and then came on the other end and was like, "Wow, my body feels amazing." And uh, so you just take a lot of damage. Yeah, and, and they train stupid too. They train really hard, but it's very little like re, re, rebuilding recovery type training. It's a lot of like just beat my body to death. And that was my training, man. When I trained, it was all just beat my body to death because I didn't understand the mindset about around fighting. So I was gassing a lot. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is it wasn't the, my lack of preparation. It was my lack of calmness in the storm Mm -hmm. it was my lack of being able to be calm and confident when I was in the ring I was always panicky I was always like panic stricken I was forcing things that I shouldn't have been forcing my timing wasn't wasn't there that part of that's experience but a lot of that's confidence Mm -hmm. and I just think you know I think that if I were to do it again I would spend a lot more time on my mindset mm-hmm. and I would spend a lot more time on treating my body well. So I feel good and a lot less time cutting weight and a lot less time beating my body up in camp, sparring hard every night and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if that's the way. Well, sparring is a, a, uh, like sparring for training is a skill in its own. You, you got to know how to, to uh, spar for yeah. uh, like, cause you see it all the time in here. You get guys in here. It's like, Hey, we're going to be sparring tonight. And they, it's like, they think it's a fight. Yeah. You can't, you can't spar like that. You got to spar. You got to know how to spar. Well, you can you can spar like that. You're just gonna have a really short career. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. gonna suck. Like you're not yeah. gonna have fun. Like, and your training partners probably are not gonna have fun. Yeah. Um. And no, you're, you're basically in a fight. Yeah. Every, and, well, that's how I used to train. <laughs> oh, I know it. I was how, with you. You remember, like, when I used to spar. That's how I used to spar several nights a week. Yeah. I was I, basically any night I had. If I had a fight coming up, any night I had someone in the gym who would or yeah. could spar with me. 
we sparred. Mm-hmm. That was the training is we sparred. Yep. And we ran a lot of people off. Most people didn't want to do that. And it's sort of what led me to kind of getting away from that, from the business side, mm-hmm. because I believe that it's more important to continue to train long term than it is to beat the hell out of you and you quit. Like if, like it, even if it's the best training, if I give you the best type of style of training that you hate doing, and this is my mentality on the way I like lift and stuff now too, um, you're not going to stick with it. And so you're not going to get as good. Mm-hmm. It's better to do the things that really excite you unless you're super disciplined. If you're the kind of guy that can just like, you're like a David Goggins who like, mm-hmm. I want to suffer. I want to do everything I hate all day, every day. I want to run a hundred miles. You know what I mean? If you're that guy, Hey, more power to you. It's just, most people aren't, most people aren't David Goggins. Most mm-hmm. people, if you hate everything about your workout, you're probably not going to do your workout. Mm-hmm. It's better to come in, dial the workout back a little bit and just, and find something you love and something you enjoy. And then you can kind of like, start implementing some things that suck here and there. Once you've gotten into a routine, you can kind of like, you know, like, like you can kind of like build it around your life and mm-hmm. then, then you'll get results. Cause the results don't come from doing everything perfectly for a month. The results come from staying consistent mm-hmm. for time, yep. for, for consistency over a long period of time. I don't care if you're talking about weightlifting. I don't care if you're talking about dieting and, and, and eating right. I don't care if you're talking about martial arts, especially martial arts though, especially boxing and MMA and things like that. Consistency over time, mm-hmm. doing the right things over a super long period of time. Yep. So it's all about finding your love for it. Falling, I talk about it on here, like falling in love with the process. It's really true with like training, mm-hmm. like getting in shape, like falling in love with the process yep. of, you know, and, and part of what holds me back though is the ability to flip that switch. Well, it's like you said a while back that the, the, the discipline it takes that, you know, that's a muscle. You oh, gotta keep, sure. So you gotta keep, you gotta keep working on it. Absolutely. It is. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It is for me. There's certain things that are really easy for me to keep up. For me, rolling and doing jujitsu is easy. For mm-hmm. one thing, I'm here for my job, so I'm going to be here anyway. And I, I like it. I like doing it. Mm-hmm. I like rolling. It's fun. So, warming up. On the other hand, <laughs> eh, yeah, I pass. Uh, doing bag work, it's not my thing. I know some people like it. A lot mm-hmm. of people here like it. Our kickboxing classes is nothing but bag work. Is it my thing? Not really. I don't really yeah. like sitting around hitting a bag for more than just a couple rounds. Mitt work's fun, but if you've got a good mitt holder. That's what I'm saying. Mitt work, I like mitt work, but I'm saying on bag work. And it's like, ugh. Yeah, but you got to have a good mitt holder. You yeah. got to have oh, a good yeah. holder to enjoy mitt work. Yep. Bad mitt holding is not fun. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's not fun. You know, having a good mitt holder is fun. So, I just, that's what I do as I play into. The problem is, though, is I don't like eating right. I don't like vegetables. That's I a, don't like lean meats that much. That's a part of that discipline that takes too, because I'm I'm the same way. Yeah, and so I'm still got extra weight that I should lose. Yeah. Well, I don't really love. I don't like doing cardio other than martial arts cardio, and normally that's enough. Mm-hmm. Normally martial arts cardio is enough for like your day to day life. But I don't really like. I don't want to run. I don't really want to go ride a bike or a or a Aerodyne. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do CrossFit. Yeah. I don't want to do burpees. No. I'm just, uh, I know that if that's, I know that if I, if CrossFit were my thing that I were trying to do, I just know that my personal discipline level isn't high enough for me to stick that out. 
Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it enough. Yeah, no, not me. I would do it for, and I, I did it because I did it when I was fighting. I did a lot of CrossFit and CrossFit type stuff, and um, I just I hated it. I hated every minute of it. <laughs> I'm just, yes, yeah, I'm not with it neither. But I also think that there is something to be said for doing things that is a struggle for you, like making yourself like I went through this little phase and I, I, I didn't keep it up, but I went through this phase where I had this rule that every single day I was doing cardio and the, I wasn't doing it to lose weight. I wasn't doing it to get in shape. I was doing it for simply the fact that it sucked. Mm-hmm. That was why I did it. I did it because I hated it. Well, and I was trying to build the mental toughness muscle of pushing yeah. through the things that I hate doing. I'm reading that. Uh, you're talking about David Goggins. I, I'm about halfway through that book oh, yeah. right now, and he, he's talking about stuff like that, attacking it because it's a crazy book. Have you read it? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Which, book. which one? Is, is uh, he got more than one? Can't hurt me. Can't hurt me. Yeah, yeah. I've read that one. Yeah, yeah that's um, a it's a crazy book. Like yeah. his childhood and stuff. And wow, dude, I'm on like chapter five right now, but that, it goes to where you're saying like that, attacking it, even though you hate it, but once you hate, once you finish it, you defeated it. You know, this goes back to like self belief and identity. Um, I don't know. I feel like I when I'm very hard to beat when it comes to mental toughness when it's something that I'm about, something I'm passionate about, something that mm-hmm. I'm all about at the time. So I believe that there was very little that could have stopped me if what if it was something I really wanted to do. But I when I read what how, was involved with buds, mm-hmm. I 100% know at 32 years old I could not do that. Dude did it three times. Three <laughs> rotations God through way, buds. Dude. Three rotations. When I was reading that in the book, I was like, "There's no damn way he he's spent to go back again." One year in straight in skills skill school, dude. I can promise you, I wouldn't have done that. No, there's, I, and I'm a mentally tough dude. Like I, I believe that I'm mentally tough. Like I've done some weight cuts that mm-hmm. were hell on earth, and I pushed through them that other people I don't think could have done it. Uh, I've seen other people not be able to do it. I've seen people not be able to do a lot of things that I've done. Mm-hmm. I 100% believe in myself for a lot of things. First off, though, one of the reasons I know I couldn't do it, I don't need to be a SEAL. <laughs> you know what I mean? The only way that you're going to find the kind of motivation to do something like that is if you need it, mm-hmm. not want it. You're gonna. You, I feel like that's what the separating factor is because I think being a SEAL would be cool I think it'd be cool, but you know, I don't really need to be a seal. Like I don't yeah. like I don't I don't want it, but I would not have wanted it bad enough to complete it. I would have rung the, rang the bell. I just know myself well mm-hmm. enough. Um, before and and same thing with fighting because after a few key, key losses, when I started gather, my, when my brain started gathering evidence that I wasn't good enough, then my motivation to fight completely left, and mm-hmm. I quit fighting. You you know, I mean, I, I took two more MMA fights just to get a couple wins against not super tough opponents not not bad they they had similar records as me but before that i was like i was fighting monster i was fighting eric mm-hmm. anders i was fighting ryan caprari i was fighting you know my losses on my record um zeb probably being the loss that split decision loss to zebulon stroud who's actually over there that's the picture on the where i'm standing up he's sitting down i lost that fight split decision that was probably the least talented person that i lost to mm-hmm. no offense to zeb but then when I watched when him and Brendan Allen fought, Brendan who, Allen, who's in the UFC now, I got I got my ass kicked by Eric Anders. I've talked about it on here before, but a lot of people at home haven't heard it. I got my ass kicked by Eric Anders. I turn around, then I fought Zeb Stroud, and that was the 
Zeb Stroud is the only fight that I lost that I had a like a camp, like I was in shape, or I felt that I was in shape. But it was important when I say I was in shape. I was only my only sparring partner was you and Reggie, mm-hmm. who I was getting like a couple days a weekend with you guys. Sometimes Canyon, sometimes you, yeah. yeah, sometimes Canyon, who was a one fifty fiver. I had no coach. I was completely self trained. I was doing uphill mm-hmm. sprints, and you know what really lost me that fight. What really lost it was not that I wasn't in shape, even though he was in better shape than me. I will admit he worked harder because I think I don't think I don't know if it was a support system or if he was just tougher or whatever. I do think he worked harder. You know what it really was? Because I was a better athlete than him. Mm-hmm. I was, in my opinion, the better athlete in that cage. What lost it for me was my mindset was right here between the ears. Because at that time I was living in my gym. Mm-hmm. I had no money. I was Barely keeping the doors open. I was barely keeping myself food in my stomach. I mean, I'll be honest with you. My mom used to, like, sneak me food or, like, bring me a little food. Or I'd go to the restaurant. My, my mom would, like, hook me up because my dad was, you know, he let me, like, eat, like, a plate lunch here and there from the restaurant. But in terms of, you know, my mom bringing me food and stuff, my dad did not like that. And I didn't have a car, so I was having to ride my bike to my parents' restaurant. So I was eating, but... I didn't have money, and I was convinced that if I lost that fight, that my world was going to crumble, my gym was going to close, and I was going to have to admit defeat and go back to work at a job. And that fight taught me so much because that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It honestly didn't really affect business at all. Right. Yeah. I had it in my head that if I lost this fight, my, our fight team at that point wasn't doing great. The little bit of fight team we had, I was basically the fight team. I and I just lost. Me and Canyon had both just lost a few months before. I lost to Eric Anders. He lost to another guy. Um, but I just I I carried that with me in the ring though. And watching movies, you think that that's good. Mm-hmm. You think I used to think that putting that kind of pressure on myself was good. Like, this is your moment. This is your time. I used to talk to fighters like that. I'd be like, bro, this is your moment. This is your time. It's time to step up. Take this moment. Let's go. This is all you. We're about to, you know, and I'd hype them up. That's the worst thing to do. <laughs> you, you don't want to do that. It's all about making it seem as much like just regular training as you can. It's about taking the pressure off yourself, relaxing, having fun, like, like being relentless, being aggressive, but not being overly attached to the outcome, not thinking mm-hmm. that if you lose this, it's all over, not thinking, here's the thing. Most people are going to lose a fight. Oh, yeah. Most people are going to have things happen that sets their career back. And of bringing that kind of mentality, I had in my head, like, I'm not going to lose this fight. I was having, I was having, I did, well, first off, that fight was in October. So the camp started in it was a actually had a eight or 12 week camp Mm -hmm. so it was about a two-month camp so it was in the hotter months Mm -hmm. i had no air conditioning in my apartment that i was living in and upstairs i had an upstairs apartment from the gym you remember there's no air conditioning and i was waking up even when it wasn't super hot though i was waking up drenched in sweat having uh stress dreams like nightmares Mm -hmm. every night because of the pressure that I was putting on myself. I was telling myself, like, if I don't make this work, if I can't beat this guy, who I knew was tough. I knew he was a tough guy, but I felt that I was better than him. I felt it was winnable. But honestly, it was probably the closest I'd ever felt skill set-wise to an opponent. 
like when I fought other people that had beat me, I knew that their skill set, like when I fought Eric, uh, not Eric Anders, um, I knew athletically he was way better than me. But when I fought Ryan Caprari, my first loss, mm-hmm. he outranked my my coach, my jiu-jitsu coach in jiu-jitsu. Like my jiu-jitsu coach was a no-strike blue belt. He was a three-strike blue belt. So like I knew at the weigh-ins, it was like, oh. Like, because back then, if you were blue belt in jiu-jitsu, you were a god, basically. You know, like, you you were freaking in, in the local scene in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Like, blue belts in jiu-jitsu were just killing everybody. And so, I don't know. It was just a, it was a very, that loss was a very, like, telling moment for me where it was like, I, I wanted to quit. And in a way, I kind of did. In a way, like, it was, it was a very telling moment where, and then after that loss, the other side of that was I just lost to Eric Anders and, and got, I mean, just got the absolute shit kicked out of me by Eric Anders. I mean, he yeah, that was a tough one. Beat me to death. Um, he probably doesn't even remember. It was like his. It was like his second or third fight. I think it and was his second one. Yeah. Yeah. It was like his second fight. He'd got a first round knockout in the first one, and I'd never been hit like this dude hit me. Like, I'd never been hit like this. And I'm thinking, like, I'm a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'll just use my jiu-jitsu. I'll out jiu-jitsu him because I still have that metal mentality of, like, a blue belt in jiu-jitsu is enough to, like, out jiu-jitsu people. Yeah. And, like, people that are that athletic, a guy that won a national championship at the University of Alabama at linebacker and is now in the UFC, mm-hmm. that level of athlete just a different level of athlete. Yeah, we know he hits hard. We've seen that video with him <sighs> knocking raspberry off his feet. Bro, I don't ha- didn't have to watch that video. I knew he hit hard before that. <laughs> Bro, he hit me so hard. I've never actually in a fight been hit in the head so hard I didn't want to be there. Now, I took the fight on a day's notice. Yeah. Matter of fact, the, the matchmaker of that fight, Russell, commented on – I made a post asking people to follow the YouTube channel on my Facebook page. He was like, you got my vote. Anybody who I can talk into fighting Eric Anders on one day notice has got my vote. Yeah. Like, I'm going I'm to follow you. Um, so it was a one-day notice fight, and he outweighed me by about 30 pounds at the time because it was heavyweight. I, I came in at 20, like 205. He came in at like 235. They didn't announce the correct weights. They, <laughs> no, they, they, they used different. They said that I came I in at like 207 and he came in at 214. Yeah. I watched him weigh yeah. in at 235. I watched him weigh in at 235. And you could see he was quite a bit bigger than me too, um, just muscle-wise. But then Zebulon fought Brendan Allen, who, again, is somebody that I felt was going to you know, go to the UFC. And then that fight was so brutal. Have we watched that fight on here before? I don't think, I think we watched we it on did. here, but I think you showed that was a lopsided. Mo, fight. can we look up, watch Zebulon Stroud versus Brendan Allen? So, like, what people don't understand is the difference. There's levels. In, I mean, <laughs> you take someone like me, okay? When I got into street fights, I was hurting people. Mm-hmm. It was very one-sided. When the bar fights I've been in and the street fights I got into after I started training were all, uh, I'll be very surprised if Stroud versus Allen brings that up. Zeb Stroud versus Brendan Allen. Uh, Z-E-B Stroud versus Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, I believe. I think it's S-T-R-O-U-D. I believe that, yeah, it is Stroud, not Shroud. Yeah, it is S T. Um, but when I watched this fight, this guy who had just won a split decision over me, that's it. Um, watching how Brendan Allen did him, which I knew Brendan Allen was going to go to the UFC a long time before he did. And actually, you know, Brendan Allen and Eric Anders fought for the LFA title. 
Um, and that's how Eric got signed to the UFC okay. was by bre- beating Brendan Allen okay. in a decision, a five round decision. Very close fight. Very, very close fight. Um, very, a good fight. I don't want to watch that one though. I just want to watch what Brendan Allen does to Zeb Stroud and, and no disrespect to Zeb here at all. And again, and I, I actually, I, I want to bring up, I want to watch before we end this podcast, I want to watch me versus uh, Eric Anders too, because a lot of people like ask, you know, like about the levels and stuff. And you, you try to explain like, you know, there are some people out there, they're just different. I don't know that all of them train, but the ones that do are just different. something different. Yeah. These guys that have this gear, that have this athleticism, and then they add the skill of fighting on top of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, they're another animal. And one of the re- things that I think has held me back from, uh, as a coach, rewind it just a little bit. Let's, Let's go back just a little bit here. Yeah, right before the takedown. Let's watch this takedown here. So they tie up. This is in the first round. Um, Zeb going for like a sloppy trip here and, and just knees to the head. Brutal, brutal. And just, I mean, manhandles him to the floor. Where's he Where's Where's he from? Brendan Allen's out of Louisiana. Okay. Uh, he used to train with Rich Clemente. I don't know who he's training with now, but I know at this time Rich Clemente was in his corner out of the Gladiator Academy in Slidell, I believe. Um, I oh, mean, Ali. just ragdolls him here. And there's not a big size difference between the two uh-uh. of them. Like, I mean, it's not, it doesn't look super mismatched. It does a little bit. You can see that Brendan's a little leaner. Uh, Zeb fought at 170 a lot, and Brendan was a, was a true 185-er. But, I mean, just watch how he's snapping Zeb's head with these punches. And you can't see it real good at this angle, but you can see Zeb's hair whipping backwards from these shots. They, like, they're significant elbows and punches. And this is an amateur fight? No, this is professional. Okay. No, this is professional. This is a professional fight. I fought Zeb as an amateur, but this was as soon as Zeb beat me, he went pro. Okay. All right. And um, he fought PJ, PJ Barch, I think his name was, out of West Side and beat him. And PJ's not a not a slouch either. PJ's tough. Zeb beat PJ. Yeah, and then Brendan Allen. He fought Brendan, and and it was. Uh, I mean, just I mean, just the grappling skill. And Zeb out grappled me. Goodness. I mean, it was almost a fight. Like you're kind of like, man, ref, for real. Like, you, like I know it's a pro fight. I know this is you know, two decent pros fighting each other. But uh, Brendan Allen also beat James Horn as an amateur out of, uh, and James is a good was a good one eighty five. Yeah, Black Sales. Yeah, uh, that was a I think that was a three round fight, and and James I think had a lot of potential that you know he just propped chin strapping his head up and just beating him. Dang, he could have ended this several times, but he just I don't know why. Him. I mean he, I mean he's just he's pacing himself. Yeah, I wish the ref would get out of the way. He's pacing himself, and you can hear his coach here in a minute. Uh, Rich Clemente in the in the corner, he starts yelling. You know, just stand up, just get off of him. Yeah, we're gonna f- we'll finish him on the feet. Just stand up, like he, he's done. And I think he was just having he was having trouble just putting him away. Like Zeb just kept doing sort of like I did when I fought Zeb in the third round. Zeb just kept doing just enough to stay in the fight because Zeb is super tough, super tough. I hit Zeb hard and Zeb kept coming after me, so I can attest the fact that Zeb is 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 really tough. But you yeah. watch this, and it's almost over here. I, wish the, I really wish the ref would get out of the yeah, way for our way. purposes. 
they need multiple camera angles for WFC. Man, that's a. Uh, I mean, look at the blood just trickling yeah, down his head. That ref is like, <laughs> goodness. Uh, you know, I, I think I think I think Brennan had a wrestling background, which I think did help him. I think wrestling is huge. I mean, just just grappling at a young age mm-hmm. and learning to grapple at a young age and, and, and in an environment that I'm gonna be honest, uh, doing so in an environment where your parents oh, aren't paying for you to be there can be important too, because re- that's why wrestling rooms are so much more brutal than jujitsu rooms. Because jujitsu rooms, like if I go too hard on y'all, y'all are gonna quit, mm-hmm. and y'all aren't gonna keep training, and and that's the that's the the balance of and the ref is what w- watching like, and honestly, if Brendan just kept punching here and then he just gets up, he just gets up. Had he just kept punching, he probably would have ended it, but he just stands up. He because he wants. I think he wants to work his striking. That head kick just missed. <sighs> Look how heavy Zeb is now on his uh, lead foot. But man, uh, even though he's head kick that knee, that was it right there. He he flipped that knee to the head in, and that was it. And man. the ref finally, and just watch how all oh, the amount of time it took the ref to call that. I think that should have been called yeah. pretty oh, much yeah. as soon as he hit the floor. But uh, it's a professional fight, and refs yeah. are gonna gonna let the pro fight go back to that. Don't end that too late. Go back and uh, look up Eric Anders versus Jake Reeves. It'll say Eric Anders in Cage Wars. Most most of y'all have never seen this fight. So just to give reference here. You know, me and Zeb were both decent. Eric is E R Y K. Is that how you spell his name? Eric Anders versus Jake Reeves, or you could even say uh, Cage Wars. But, um, yeah. So it's Cage Wars five right there with one point four thousand views. Unfortunately, man, that was um, that was a tough fight to watch there, that. Yeah, that it's one was worse. Eric Anders news, didn't do me as bad as Brendan Allen did. I came in on weight without cutting for this fight on a day's notice. I actually had to put on a little weight to be a light heavyweight. There's, there's, you can just start it pretty much. I mean, it, it's not long. Um, we having, we having technical issues. Yeah, I, um, I was telling you a while back. I've, I've got pictures of the day after, but it's on one of my old phones. But I don't have a I don't have a way to charge it. I've got the phone. Bro, still. If you tell me what kind of charge you need, I will. Because uh, that would be really good content for yeah, us. I, I need to find that. I need to go back and try to find. Yeah, that. Tell me what kind of phone it is. I'll pay for the charger. I've always had Samsungs. It may be a, a micro, but it's one of my older ones. I'll, I'll bring them all up here. And we'll okay, see. here we go. And again, you, I mean, I'm twenty. I'm like twenty two at this time. So I've been training three, four years. Um, but at this point, I'm still pretty convinced that, like, in shape and with a camp and with a coach, like, nobody, like, I can, I can fight with anybody. Look how awkward I am with my, my feet. My feet are very awkward still. And I'm thinking I'm going to out-wrestle him. And he apparently, from what I heard, had a little bit of a wrestling background from high school. But just, I mean, he just cow catchers me to the freaking ground right there. And... You can't tell how much damage he's doing with his punches on top, but like he's about to land that punch right there was so hard. <laughs> it was like immediately I remember Canyon said he had never seen me in a fight look over at him with the expression like I did really didn't want to be there. And that was one fight that just like there was nothing white left on my face after this fight. And it, it does, the ass kicking doesn't look that bad. Like, I look like I'm active on my back. I look like I nearly catch him in an arm bar and he just slams me out of it. Um, 
you know, and, and I'd love to say like at my jujitsu level now I could, I could beat him, but he's a black belt now too. So I absolutely could not. He's a tough dude, man. Just, just another level athlete. Like I'm doing a good job at Kazushi right there. I think chaining some more attacks could have helped inverting to a leg here might have been a good idea or just bringing my feet in and trying to kick him off and getting back to my feet. I'm a little too attached to playing guard. I was doing a lot of jujitsu at this time and a lot of guard playing and you can see it in the way that I'm fighting. I'm like, I'm like, there's times that I could stand up and I'm not. I'm just constantly throwing sweeps and submissions at him, but I'm not really like, mm. I'm not working to get back to my feet. I'm not working to get back up and strike, which I feel like I could have made it a little bit better of a fight. But I'm going to be honest with you. Had he landed one of those punches solid from the feet, I think he would have dropped me. Because most of the punches he landed, like that one right there where he's cocking his arm back, um, had I been on my feet, I would have went down. Because I couldn't see. I was yeah. blinded by the shot. The, everything went white. My ears rang. I lost I lost vision for after just about every punch. I was losing vision for a, a, set, a couple seconds. Damn, he was hitting you that hard? Every punch. Every punch, oh, I lost dude. vision. Every punch, everything went white. And I couldn't see. And I, tr I tried to throw a triangle on here, and he's like, nah. You know, there was even a few times, like, when he passes my guard. And I'm just – I'm doing a good job getting back to guard, like, doing jujitsu, but – it's just not the play on this guy. This is not the play on this type of fighter. And this isn't the best video either. But it just isn't the play. You know, I'm, and at this point, I'm just holding him down. Yeah, you can see he, he's starting to really tee off now. My head is, like, I really don't want to be there anymore. I'm trying to kick him off. I'm trying to get, now I'm thinking about getting back up. But it's it doesn't matter, you know. There, yeah, and this is it right here. This is the beginning of the end. Just brutal, brutal, brutal ass kicking I took that day. Um, Dang. That was inside the first round. Um, they don't think it'd be like it is. They don't think it'd be like it is, <laughs> but it do, man. It do. There's, I mean, I've had very few people be able to hit me hard enough to make me not want to fight. Yeah. I mean, there's very – in the face especially. I've taken some knees to the body and some, some leg kicks that kind of didn't. But I remember – um, and I've told this story on an old podcast, but I'll tell it again. And it's something we got to remember when we're telling stories. Like most of the people listening have not mm. watched and listened to all those old episodes. Um, I remember the ref stops it, and I look at the ref, and I'm like, "I'm okay, I'm okay." And the ref thought that I was saying, "Like, why'd you stop that fight?" Mm. And he goes, "I know you're okay, but you weren't intelligent defending yourself." I was like, "No, no, 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 no." I just interrupted him. I was like, "No, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not telling you that." I don't think you should have stopped the fight. I'm telling you I don't need a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm, I'm like, I am physically okay to walk back to the locker room. I yeah. don't need an ambulance. Yeah. I'm not, like, I'm very thankful that you stopped that fight. I did not want to be there. You can see, like, I was conscious, but I was, I was, like, flash knocked out. I couldn't see. Every punch was, like, was rocking me. And, and uh, man, the metallic -y taste in my mouth was Ugh. so strong. Um, and I remember, I'll never forget this part because honestly, the Zeb fight was sort of like, I put too much effort on that fight because of this fight mm. or too much effort, emphasis, not effort. I put too much emphasis on that fight because of this fight, because up to that point, I'd never gotten beat up. Mm -hmm. Every fight that I'd lost was like, I won the first round, but got subbed in the second, or I took it on short notice and just gassed really early. And like, I got caught in a submission or something of that nature, this was the first person, or I lost a decision or something, this was the first person that actually beat me up. Mm -hmm. And it, it messed with my head pretty hard. 
And I remember after the fight was over, because I had cornered Canyon, I had to run to the locker room, put my gloves on, and run out and fight. And I remember I walk, I walked out. Was it you or Bob in the corner for that one? It was me. It was you. Okay, yeah. so it was you and Canyon. It was me and you with Canyon, and then me and Canyon with you. Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember, I don't know if you remember, I disappeared after the fight. Oh, yeah. And I walked off, and I walked probably... I bet I was a half mile to a mile away from the venue before I stopped. It was a while. It was a while. Everybody was like, where's Jake? And I was like, I was gone, bro. And it was the moment that I was like, I don't have it. And I collapsed on a curb in downtown Biloxi somewhere and freaking cried like a baby. Because it was like the day that I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, even if I have what it takes to fight those guys, I don't know that this is what I want to do. Like, that's what's waiting for me at the top and at that point we were both still amateurs mm-hmm. and i'm but i'm in my early 20s like i'm i'm at a point where i should be thinking about going pro and we're that's both like you were saying I, th- I think that was his second fight it was, it was an early fight right yeah. and i should have that's the thing is, is i had more experience <laughs> yeah. than him going into that fight I, I was his second ever fight now we had been one thing to say though we had been training around the same amount of time mm-hmm. he had been training almost as long as me he just took he trained long because he was playing football mm-hmm. And that's another thing too. He was journey, a starting linebacker for a for for the Crimson yeah, Tide. Yeah, and, and I mean, won a national championship and caused yeah. the fumble that won the national yeah. championship. I mean, he was a um, tough fella. I mean, just a a different level of athlete. But that's the thing is when you he's gotten to the UFC and he's had mm-hmm. mixed results. Yeah, like he's a he's a gatekeeper in the UFC. And that's wild too because I remember when he fought. Um, I don't want to say gatekeeper because I'd love to have him on the podcast. I honestly. That is one person yeah. I'm going to reach out to when I get off oh, here. Yeah, I want to have Eric Anders on the podcast because of that fight between me and him and, I mean, him being in the UFC. And he's only from two hours from me. He's out of Chris Conley's gym in, in Birmingham. We're almost done. I know we're over now. Remember when uh, he fought um, uh, Chase? Yeah, over, Horton. And that was, a, I mean, a beatdown. Yeah. Chase won that Chase one. Chase got, but he got but he arm bar and then had to go to the hospital immediately yeah. after. Um, That's how you know he's a tough dude. Yeah, I mean, just – and that was amateur too. That was one of his last mm-hmm. few little amateur fights, but that fight, man, I, I, I just it just it changed my mentality about fighting, and I went from being really easy to talk into taking fights. Mm-hmm. That one being, and from then on, I was like, I'm not taking any more short notice fights. I'm not taking any fights on anybody else's terms but mine. Yeah, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna entice me with money. You're not gonna entice me with fancy talk you're not going to entice me with anything else and it's one of the reasons why because russell was a good matchmaker in terms of he was good at making getting people to take the fight mm-hmm. he knew he knew how to talk to me russell and I, you know i can't even hate the guy even though he was my manager i don't know if he was my manager still at that time but he managed me before that and um he knew how to talk to me. He would he would talk to me and be like, "Hey, look, Jake, here's the deal. There comes a time." And he he gave me this speech a couple times where you gotta like, you gotta step up. Mm-hmm. There comes a time you gotta man up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he said he would say, "There comes a time you gotta man up. You gotta step up and 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 play with the big boys." And you know, and he would hype mm-hmm. me up. And I don't know that I won a single fight with him managing me because he would put really? he put me in really tough fight. Yeah, his first fight managing me was Ryan Caprari. Then I fought a couple months later. I fought Dustin Rhodes in a pro exhibition in Alabama where I didn't get paid, um, and then I lost that one. Um, so I he was took he a, was dog walking you. There. Well, no, I know, I, no, I, that's wrong. That's wrong. After I lost to Dustin and Ryan, he gave me. I fought Jeremy McElroy where I broke that kid's arm in Jackson. Mm. Um, I, I 
I fought that one. I broke Jeremy McElroy's arm in Jackson um, at 170. And, um, you know, I just – the thing was, though, honestly, it really was never my problem. I had the potential. I could have done a lot more than I did. I had the potential if I had the right mindset and the right coach. Because I remember, like – you remember when I used to go down to Dixon's mm -hmm. and I'd go down there for three days and I'd come back a different fighter? Yeah. I mean, I would go down and, like, with a good coach helping me, I was a completely different person. Yeah. I was – it was just – I think having to do it on my own and then the lack of belief in myself that that brought. And I would go in there and I just, I was so gassed mm -hmm. in the first round of every fight until toward the end, my last, my last amateur MMA fight. Cause I've never, all my, my only pro fight was exhibitions. They weren't sanctioned fights. So I've never fought professional MMA. I mean, I know you know that, but for the people at home, I never fought professional MMA because that, that realization came so early. And at that point I was like, like, why am I even doing this? Why am I going to keep beating myself up? I'm, I'm going to go open a school, and I'm going to train. I'm going to do the part that I love doing, the training right. and helping people. Right. I don't really want to be a fighter this bad. I don't think I was selfish enough to be a fighter either because um, yeah. fighters are usually real selfish. I liked helping other people and, like, focusing on their camps. Mm -hmm. But when um, – what was I talking about? Um, so this happened on the other yeah, episode yeah. too um, with Tyler. It's one of the reasons that episode sucked. But when I had that realization, I didn't want to fight anymore. Uh, but I was my brain was what was beating me in every fight except for Eric Anders. Mm -hmm. I truly don't. I believe that Eric Anders is the only person that had I went in with a different mindset and a different like a coach with a different training regiment. Um, talking about coming back. I don't think that, I don't think it would. I don't think the Eric Anders fight would have mattered though. Um, you were talking about coming back a different fighter when you go train at Dixon's. That's what it was. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, when I when I would get around the right people. Yeah. I mean, two three days, I would mm -hmm. just I would become a totally different person. I would I would. The way Dixon and I'm trying to get him on the podcast, yeah, but he works cool on the weekend. On, yeah. yeah, I really want to get him on the podcast. The way he spoke to me was different mm -hmm. than everybody else. He, I truly believe he believed in me. Mm -hmm. He was this guy who had fought in Pride who had trained guys that had, you know, went to the UFC and made it and had done really well as pros, and he would hold mitts for me, and he would train with me, and he would watch me roll, and he was like, you've got it. Like, just having somebody that had that kind of confidence in my life yeah. was the difference maker. Like, having somebody that was like, dude, you're, like, you've got what it takes. Like, hearing him tell me that, I think that played a bigger role than any technique that I went over. Most of the time I was just hitting mitts. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything spectacular. I was hitting mitts, doing basic combos. I've got videos of it on my phone. I was hitting mitts, doing basic combos, you know, punches to low kicks. I was grappling with better people than I was grappling with here, but I was, you know, I was usually hanging with them. I was doing good. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, just having that, having that confidence. So um, if you're watching at home, I don't care what it is that you're talking about. And, you know, I try not to do too much motivation on here here lately because I think people like the, just the banter. Mm -hmm. But if you're at home – and you're watching this, and you don't understand the importance of mindset and belief to affect your confidence, it is the game changer. And in my opinion, back to the Jake Paul thing, I think that it is what makes Jake Paul what he is. You, uh, If him and Andrew Tate fight, you going to get it? You going to watch it? If y'all want to get it, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'd tell you what, we probably need to start getting the fights and just me, you, and Tyler if nobody else watching them just because. Yeah, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Come up here and watch it, you know. So I'd be interested in that one. I'm, I'd be interested. 
Um, I do think Jake Paul's a better boxer of the two. Uh, when I've watched Andrew Tate's fights, um, his boxing, he's got good full contact kickboxing boxing. Mm-hmm. It's very long and rangy, and he's athletic, and f- he's fast, and he's got decent head movement. He's got, he keeps his hands really low, and he's got like decent head movement. Um, I think Jake Paul's going to be too fast for that style to work in a boxing match. Kickboxing, I think Jake Paul may have a chance. I mean, not Jake, I think Andrew Tate would, would beat him, especially full contact. Mm-hmm. Um, which means no low, low kicks, um, but even international low kicks, I think he, I think I think Andrew Tate probably gets it. I think Anderson Silva would have got it if it was a kickboxing match too. Um, boxing is a different sport, yeah. you know. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening in to this episode of the Man Up Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to go uh, if you want to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. You can usually get the Man Up Podcast. Make sure to go listen over there. Not everybody wants to like watch the whole episode, so a lot we got a lot of viewers that are piling over into there. Um, make sure to go like us on social media, on Facebook, and we'll see y'all on the next episode. Peace. Peace.